0: Thank you for downloading the Kol Hadash podcast. Kol Hadash is a humanistic Jewish congregation located in Chicago's North Shore suburb of Highland Park. The following episode is a recording of Rabbi Shalom's 5778 Yom Kippur evening sermon recorded on September 29, 2017, entitled Bad Jew. For more information about Rabbi Shalom, Kol Hadash, and humanistic Judaism, visit kolhadash.com. I like statistics. I especially like statistics about what people are doing or not doing. And I love statistics about what the American Jewish community is doing or not doing. I just wish they would show the numbers backwards. Most questions are from the traditional Jewish perspective. Do you light Shabbat candles? Do you keep kosher? Did you fast on Yom Kippur? Did you light Hanukkah candles? And the traditional Jewish establishment is perpetually scandalized by the shocking results. Only 23% always or usually light Shabbat candles. Only 22% keep kosher at home. And who knows what they eat out? While 53% fasted for at least part of Yom Kippur and 70% lit Hanukkah candles. The American Jewish reality is that the majority practice is to be a cultural Jew, or even a part-time Jew. Hanukkah is just a few nights a year, and you can do it on your own at home. Yom Kippur fasting is a personal choice, but Shabbat is every week. Kosher is every day. And they limit your ability to connect with your neighbors, to enjoy the wider world of American life, to have the personal freedom to do what you want, when you want. What if the statistics were presented backwards? Only 30% of Jews did not light Hanukkah candles. Over three-quarters of American Jews do not keep kosher. And Yom Kippur fasting is a coin toss. As many fast as do not. Presenting the statistics that way might make us, the majority living as cultural Jews, feel like the norm. But that would also mean leaving behind a venerable Jewish tradition, the concept of bad Jew. This High Holidays, we are exploring the need to strike certain phrases from our vocabulary. On Rosh Hashanah, we asserted the value of pursuing the truth against the dangerous concept of post-truth. And we explored how Judaism says is less accurate and meaningful than my Judaism says. My Judaism says means we celebrate what we find meaningful in our tradition without assuming that all of Judaism agrees with us. What would happen if we left behind the idea of there being bad Jews? After all, bad Jew is not just an accusation that other people throw at us. It is a label we sometimes use on ourselves. There is a long Jewish history of this bad Jew accusation in the Torah. Korach, the Levite, challenges Moses by asking why only priests and Moses himself get to contact God when all the community is holy. Korach and his followers are then swallowed by an earthquake. We saw what Pinchas did to a really bad Jew. In the books of the prophets, Israelite kings are condemned for worshiping many gods and for oppressing the poor. The famous passage from Yom Kippur liturgy from the book of Isaiah begins, Is this the fast I have chosen to afflict your souls, or should you instead break the yoke of oppression? Is that not the fast that I would prefer? In other words, you're doing it wrong. When Ezra the priest returned from Babylonian exile, he commanded all Hebrews who had stayed in the land and married local women to send away their wives and children, an intermarriage ethnic cleansing but also a mass accusation of having been bad Jews. The Maccabees fought the Greeks, but the Maccabees also fought Jews who liked Greek culture and who sought a middle ground. Medieval rabbis, establishing the authority of the Talmud, broke with those who wanted to only follow the Bible laws and called themselves Karaites. Maimonides' rational philosophy was burned by some Jews, and Jewish mystical texts were forbidden by others. In the 19th century, Jewish mystics, called Hasidim, battled Jewish legalists, called Mitnagdim, and they both battled the Jewish Enlighteners, the Maskilim. There was name-calling, rejection, family splits, even excommunication in all directions. So when we learn in our days that the Israeli chief rabbinate keeps a blacklist of diaspora rabbis whose conversions are not recognized, alas, I did not make the list. something to aspire to, or if the Israeli government backtracks on a compromise to create an egalitarian prayer space near the Western Wall because mixed gender Judaism isn't authentic enough, we should not be surprised. The accusation of bad Jews is a deeply rooted Jewish tradition. There's a reason that we laugh at this story, which I have told once before. The Yeshiva University rowing team has lost every crew meet. And so they send their captain to go watch the Harvard and Yale crew teams compete. He comes back and he says, guys, we're doing it all wrong. We need eight people rowing and one person yelling. (laughs) Am I a bad Jew? I have a PhD in Near Eastern studies, concentrating in Hebrew and Jewish cultural studies. I have worked as a Jewish professional my entire career, including 16 years as a rabbi. I am competent in Hebrew and Yiddish. I have traveled to Israel eight times, and I have read more Jewish history books than anyone really should. (laughs) I have been actively involved in synagogues my entire life. I married a Jewish woman, and we had Jewish children who are being raised Jewish. And by the time I retire, I will have been attending Sunday school for 65 years. (laughs) My last name is Shalom. (laughs) But to some people, I'm a bad Jew. In high school, I went out to dinner with some friends to a Denny's. Yes, Yom Kippur is the season of confession. (laughs) And while there, I ordered a club sandwich complete with bacon. A friend asked me, aren't you thinking of becoming a rabbi? I said, my dietary laws are easy, bacon tastes good, pork chops (laughs) taste good. In college, I was asked if I was planning to be a rabbi, why didn't I go to Shabbat dinners at Hillel? That year I was taking multiple classes in religious studies, including Hebrew five days a week. I worked for the Judaica curator at the Yale University Library. And I was taking weekend seminars with the International Institute for Secular Humanistic Judaism in their Madrich, their leader program. But that didn't match the metric of good Jew. Kosher Shabbat dinner at Hillel, that's what counted. I hear this from couples that I marry, especially if they're marrying someone who is not Jewish. They'll confess to me, I'm not really a good Jew. I haven't been to synagogue in a long time. I always ask them, do you celebrate Hanukkah? Of course. Do you enjoy Passover? Every year. Do you like Jewish food, whatever that means for you? Sure. Well, those count too. Think about what it means to define yourself as a bad Jew. It means that being Jewish is what you do not do. It's where you fail. Being Jewish is who you are, but it's the opposite of how you live. Part of the revelation of humanistic Judaism is to say that Judaism is not limited to religious beliefs which many Jews do not believe, or prayers that most Jews do not recite, or dietary laws that most Jews ignore. Our Judaism is built on the Jewish connections we do celebrate, holidays and life cycle ceremonies and cultural literacy and family heritage and food and language and history and all the rest. When our movement of humanistic Judaism began, There were many discussions of what to call ourselves. We knew that we were not Judaism minus, (laughs) something traditional-ish that was allergic to certain topics and words. We settled on humanistic because it was a positive statement of what we believed in, human potential, human power, human responsibility, human needs, human happiness. We wanted to be stronger than reform, reform, or very reform. Calling yourself very reformed means you're admitting you're not even good at being a reformed Jew. (laughs) What does it take to be a bad Jew? It could be what you believe or don't believe. It could be what you eat. It could be whom you married. It could be how you choose to raise your children. Bad Jews don't give to the right causes. They don't support the right side of controversial issues. They don't vote their self-interest correctly. Bad Jews think about themselves as individuals. They explore their values in the wider human context rather than being Jews first and foremost and always. My teacher, Sherwin Wine, once pointed out that the collectivist approach asks, what have you done for Judaism today? The modern individualist has the chutzpah to ask, what has Judaism done for me? There is an irony when one Jew accuses another of being a self-hating Jew. The person making the accusation obviously does not like certain Jews and says so. This issue of bad Jew is entirely separate from dealing with bad people or saying that someone is doing bad things. That's a different category. But telling someone that they are bad at being who they are is something very different. It seems like the wider world has also gotten into the business of defining good Jews and bad Jews. Benjamin Netanyahu's son, posted a meme on Facebook criticizing left-wing Jews and George Soros, and he was applauded by David Duke. (laughs) The idea that white supremacists could support Israel seems laughable, but they see a model for their goal of ethnic purity in the Israeli far right. An impeccable scholar from UCLA was appointed to be the head of the Center for Jewish History, and a slander campaign was started immediately to demand his withdrawal for his having had the audacity to believe in two states for two peoples and to have supported organizations that do the same. For some, you become a bad Jew by being anti-Israel. And anti-what I want for Israel means anti-Israel. The accusation of being a bad Jew also appears on the other end of the political spectrum. Remember the Chicago Dyke March? that banned marching with a rainbow Jewish star flag because it was too similar to the Israeli flag? For that organization, there are also good Jews, those who are clearly anti-Zionist, and bad Jews, everyone to the right of the good ones, including plenty of people who consider themselves progressive, particularly on LGBTQ issues. The metric for bad Jew can be belief or marriage partner or what community you join, if you even join one, or your take on Israel or all of the above, the more you want to call others bad Jews. Of course, we are among the worst of the bad Jews. We refuse to feel guilty about our choices. (laughs) We encourage others to join us. We're even growing our own. (laughs) The origin of the Greek word heresy is the term heresia, which means choice. Early secular Jews sometimes described what they did as Yahadut Chofshit, free Judaism. And individual choice is a very important part of our approach. The truth is that everyone makes choices from what can be Jewishly meaningful. We read less Talmud and more modern Jewish poetry and prose, while others read Torah and Talmud and somehow never get to Yehuda Amichai or Marsha Falk. Old is not necessarily better than new, if the yardstick is what resonates with us today. If we accept the idea of Jewish flavors we described on Rosh Hashanah, it's not worth arguing over which flavor of ice cream or which flavor of Judaism is the best flavor or the original flavor or the only flavor for all Jews. Imagine how boring a world with only one flavor would be. And let's be honest. This is how much of the Jewish world, particularly ordinary, everyday Jews, live their Jewish lives. I would estimate that 70% of the Jewish world is living Jewish pluralism. I am on the Chicago Board of Rabbis, whose members range from secular humanistic to liberal religious to modern orthodox. We focus on similar questions from a shared cultural background, even if we do not agree on the answers. Belief and practice in more liberal Judaisms except that we have partial human knowledge and therefore our philosophy allows different people even different communities to live their Judaism differently. In real life, we on the Chicago Board of Rabbis and you in your everyday lives relating to friends, neighbors, and relatives, we all live together and eat together, we learn together and we learn from each other. My colleagues refer weddings to me and I to them and we recognize each, other's, each other as rabbis. Seventy percent live pluralism, where variety is the spice of Jewish life. They may occasionally say the words, bad Jew. But most ordinary Jews would attend your child's humanistic bar mitzvah. They would go to your grandchild's wedding, no matter whom they were marrying. They would attend your memorial service, even if you chose cremation. However, 30% of the Jewish world is living not pluralism, but plurality where they know there are other options, but the other options are unacceptable. There is a second rabbinic association in Chicago, the Chicago Rabbinical Council, which is only orthodox and ultra-orthodox. A few modern orthodox rabbis go to both groups, but the reason there are two groups is because many orthodox rabbis will not accept women rabbis or reform rabbis and certainly not heretical humanistic rabbis. Their belief and their practice that the Torah is from heaven, from Moses on Sinai, an eternal covenant that is universally binding, that means they cannot accept our flavor of Judaism as valid, or learn from us, or easily marry us. To them, our flavor of Judaism is treif, forbidden, not a Jewish flavor they can accept. We share the same history, whether or not we agree on what happened or what it means. We share the same literature, whether or not we agree on who wrote it and when or what it means. We share the same family story, whether we recognize it or not. It is not only a question of who Hitler would have persecuted and killed. It is a matter of how you see your family tree. Are there many branches, grafts, and cross-pollinations from other sources, bearing fruit in all directions? Or is your tree trunk a straight line? and errant branches must be pruned away. Just as with our other forbidden phrases, we need to work on ourselves first. If we want to eliminate the epithet bad Jews, there are three steps to take. First, we need to not use it on ourselves, which means improving our Jewish self-esteem. Second, we need to challenge others who use it, pointing out that everyone chooses and you can't argue about taste. And third, We need to eliminate it from our own vocabulary. How often do we smirk at the Jewish hypocrisy of others who keep kosher in the home but not out, or at pious Jews arrested for Medicaid fraud? Yes, I do remember my side comment earlier about whether the 22% who keep kosher at home do the same eating out. When I said that, did you hear that as expanding the social science understanding of the survey, or did you hear that as a dig? as secular Jewish revenge, as a clever way of calling them bad Jews. One of the oldest retorts in the book is, I know you are, but what am I? (laughs) If someone calls us bad Jews, the answer is not to point out their Jewish faults. It is to change the conversation. Here's how I do Jewish. What do you find meaningful in our shared culture and history? I want to conclude this evening with the end of Yehuda HaMichai's poem, The Jews which we use periodically at our Shabbat services here at Kol The end of this poem speaks of Jewish diversity and change and continuity and disagreement, and to quote my Israeli colleague Sivan Maas, Jewish unity without Jewish uniformity. Some time ago, I met a beautiful woman whose grandfather performed my circumcision long before she was born. I told her, you don't know me and I don't know you, but we are the Jewish people. Your dead grandfather and I, the circumcised, and you, the beautiful granddaughter with golden hair. We are the Jewish people. And what about God? Once we sang, Ein Kelohenu, there is no God like ours. Now some of us sing, Ein Eloheinu, there is no God of ours. But we sing. We still sing. I wish you a Shana Tova, a good year, and a Shabbat Shalom. This podcast was produced by Ken Burke on behalf of Rabbi Shalom and Kol Hadash Humanistic Congregation, in conjunction with Repatriation Studios. I'm Ken Burke, and thank you for listening.